Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. I'm releasing this week's podcast just on the heels of returning home from Ogden, Utah. I was visiting this week's sponsor, Envy Composites. Envy was hosting their annual Builder Roundup Showcase, as well as a new event called Grodio. The Builder Roundup is a who's who of Envy partners from around the world. I saw a ton of gravel and adventure bikes, a few mountain bikes, a fat bike, an electric bike, and all sorts of amazing things. The words you'll hear in this podcast will be challenged to really express how truly unique and gorgeous and impressive the craftsmanship on all these bikes were. I encourage you to seek out these pictures on the web, on Instagram. I'll post some on my account, but really look at the details of these bikes because it's clear these craftsmen are exceptional at their work. I wanted to get you an opportunity to hear from some of the craftsmen in their own words. So I did some mini interviews, about a dozen of them, that I've cobbled together in this episode. You'll notice some variation in the audio as some of the interviews were held in a room while others were on the show floor. But I really wanted you to hear from the builders themselves. So I'm just going to let them fly and hopefully any ups and downs in the audios will be okay when you walk away from the totality of this episode. Before we begin, just a couple more words about our sponsor, Envy Composites. I got to do a full factory tour while I was out there to see the rim manufacturing, handlebars, seat posts, and also the full frame set from Envy that we talked about with Neil Shirley a few episodes ago. A couple things to share about that tour that really impressed me. First of all, all the manufacturing is done in-house. We got to see the raw rolls of carbon fiber come in, the templates in which those rolls and carbon fiber are cut and laid into molds to create the various products that you know so well. We also got to see the elaborate in-house testing labs that they run and the various machines that they torture these products with to make sure they obtain the standards that Envy is known for around the world. From my vantage point, these machines absolutely abused the products. We saw a frame being torqued to no end. We saw spokes being ripped out through rim holes. We saw the impact test machine for rims. It was really impressive. And clearly, when Envy gets some feedback from the road, someone saying, I was just riding along, they can safely say there's no way you were just riding along with that impact. You must have been hit by a truck because we know our products are tested to such an extreme standard. So that was really cool. I am a sucker for U.S. manufacturing, so I was super geeked out and stoked to see not only all the machinery, but all the craftsmen and women that were operating in Ogden, Utah, and just the passion that they have as a company for creating exceptional products in the marketplace. After the Builder Roundup on Friday was Saturday morning's Grodio event. It was a 200 rider event and my first mass participation event since the pandemic began. So I was very excited to toe the line, but quite nervous. The stated course had over 8,500 feet of climbing, and I believe was supposed to be clocked at around 85 miles. I had a little ride in from the hotel, so at the end of the day, I rode 100 miles, did that 8,500 feet of climbing. My total ride time was just over 8 hours and 30 minutes, so it was a huge day out on the bike for me. Hats off to Neil Shirley and anybody else who had a hand in course design. It was really a showcase of the area. We had some beautiful canyon road rides, single track, tough, rocky fire road climbs and descents, very beautiful surrounding. Just when you thought you were done, Neil threw a couple loops on the way back into town on some interesting single track that Ogden had to offer. It was really one of those courses that, in my opinion, tested every element of you as a gravel rider. So it was hard, beautiful, and challenging. A perfect gravel course. With all that said, let's jump right into my dozen mini interviews. They're gonna jump around a bit, so just follow along, you'll catch up. Each builder introduces themselves and their brand and gives a little bit of an overview of the bike they brought to the roundup. I've also got four more long form interviews coming up. 
off the top of my head, Breadwinner Cycles, Scarab out of Columbia, Spooky, and most likely Sage Titanium. So keep an eye out in your feed for those as well. Let's dive right in. All right, can you tell me your name and the brand? Uh, my name is Cole Bennett, and I run Weiss Manufacturing. And where are you located? In Brooklyn, New York. So tell me about this very special bike here at the Envy Builder Roundup. This is our Gravel SL model. It's a 7,000 series aluminum construction and with a carbon seat mast. This is like a gravel racer that we build. It's got a lot of details if you look closely. Pretty much everything, we don't use any off-the-shelf parts, so all our dropouts, bottom brackets, head tubes, we design and have CNC made for us, and a lot of our tubing profiles are also custom. So yeah, I don't know, it's been a lot of work went into this thing. It's hard to, over the microphone, describe the back end of this bike. Could you try to do it some justice? Sure, I'll try. So basically, all of our frames have an asymmetrical rear end. This is a trickle down from our first frame model, which is a racing track racing bikes. So the asymmetrical rear end is a stiffer drive side. It's bigger diameter tubing and a drop stay, just like you would see in a lot of race bikes, but they do that on both sides. So yeah, the gravel bike also has that. What does the process look like for a customer wanting to get one of these? Right now, it's I've actually closed orders. So the process right now is get on the mailing list and wait for us to release some frame slots. But basically, the way the process goes is they're working with me. It's a small operation. It's me and one other person that's helping me. And uh, yeah, from start to finish, it's uh, customer experience is a big thing for me. So from start to finish, I'm with the customer talking through custom paint, custom geo, everything soup to nuts and are you in that discussion if they come to you and say hey i want a 650 by 50 millimeter tire versus someone who wants more of a road plus bike you do you make modifications i've actually started to put my foot down a bit on that kind of stuff because basically what i tell customers is look we put a lot of r d into figuring out tire clearances everything that's good so let's not alter the basic platform of the model uh, but we're happy to do custom geo to really dial in your fit. But if you want a gravel bike, we have a gravel model. If you want a road bike, we have a couple road models and so on. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Well, it's an absolutely stunning bike that you've brought here. So congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, my name is Cameron Falconer. My company is Falconer Cycles, and I'm in Quincy, California. Good save. Good save there. Here at the Envy Builder Roundup. Before the party starts, I make custom TIG welded steel bikes and most of what I make is pretty simple and pretty straightforward. Definitely function over the bike I'm showing here today is an odd one. It's a coaster brake 700 by 50 millimeter flat bar bike. So what is it? Well, I don't know. It's meant to be a tribute to pneumatic tire safety bicycles of the 1890s. And these were the bikes that were the first bikes that would appear modern to us as modern cyclists with pneumatic tires and equally sized wheels and a chain drive. And the visual cue is the really tall head tube and the swept back bars and the sloping top tube. You, you saw this in the 1890s and that sort of era. And I've always liked that sort of aesthetic and finally decided to make something like it. So it is, the couple things that are interesting on it, the front hub is a Paul from Chico, California, but I had to make an axle for it to make it work with the through axle. And the front rack is an idea I had, and it's made from two curved pieces of titanium sheet metal welded together, and the curves reinforce each other, so it creates rigidity. It's designed to hold something pretty small and light, like a sleeping bag. And then the rear hub is an American-made Bendix from the 50s. You still can't get a finer uh, coaster brake hub. So thanks for listening. Curtis Inglis from Napa, California. I build under Retrotech and Inglis Cycles. What I brought to the Envy Open House this year is a Retrotech Funduro in titanium. So we have been doing, over the years, we've made titanium bikes a couple different versions, but never long-term and we've always just stuck with steel. So we're attempting to, to play with tie again. And we are working with Simple up in Portland. So I do all the bending. So far, the two, two batches we've done, I've went up there and helped build them as well. But I do all the bending in-house in California and then drag everything up there and then we build them at the Simple Factory. So, 
Is there anything specific about the geometry of this bike? This is pretty standard Fundura, so long front end, slack head angle, fairly short chain stays, but not you know crazy short. The idea is trying to like not make, I'm not racing towards the most extreme geometry, you know, the slackest head angle and all that. I still want a bike that, that can be ridden cross country and handle everything pretty decently, but not definitely not shooting for like the most extreme you know, downhill hardtail bike. I'm looking for a bike that's like fun to ride uphill and down. And have you seen a difference like when you're riding your steel Fundura versus this, a difference in the way it feels that you might advise customers to think about? That's a great question. I haven't actually ridden a mountain bike in titanium. In my gravel, I have a steel one and a tie one. And other than being a slight hair lighter, I they both ride great. I, I don't know. I enjoy both. The geometry's changed a little bit on the new bike, so... It's more, I, I, I can't tell you, I don't know. I haven't tried the mountain bike yet. So. Yeah, I'm sure for most people there's an, just a certain allure of titanium that makes it a dream material to eventually get to. Yeah. And why I built myself, when I built six customers' bikes, and I, the seventh bike was mine, and I just built myself one so that I would have this answer, I just can't keep, I can't, I never feel comfortable making something that I haven't tried. And so... Usually when I try something new in geometry or whatever, it's on myself or a good friend so I can get good feedback from them. And on these, I wanted to make sure that like, I was the one trying it out and, and seeing how they rode and, and if there was gonna be tweaks that I needed to do for different sized people and that sort of stuff, so. Perfect, thanks for the overview. Yeah. Hi, my name is Jeremy Csip with Csip Designs. I'm up in Santa Rosa, California. And this year for the Envy Show, I brought a, it is a, an electric assist mountain bike but using an NV rigid fork, but it's mainly, the main purpose of this bike is to carry kind of whatever you need, your needs are. And in this case, I have a barbecue in one of these uh, bags and, and it's to haul drinks and, and something to cook with to trails. And that's what the purpose of this bike is. And it's basically a carry-all electric assist bike to help, you know, to help you pedal up hills and stuff because it's going to be fully loaded, basically. Nice. And you've, so you've got the, is it the NV Adventure Fork on the front? This is not. This is their mountain because it's the built, the frame is built around mountain bike geometry. It's got 29er wheels and it fits up to a 2.6 tire. Yeah. So it's just one of the, just showing off that I can do, you know, custom frames and I build all different kinds. So this is just one of them. Can you tell us a little bit about the brand and how long you've been doing it? So the brand was started, my brother and I started the company back in 1992, and we were in the San Francisco area for till 2001, and then recently, or not recently, 2001, we moved to Santa Rosa, California. So it's uh, next year is going to be our 30th year anniversary, so it's going on for a while. That's amazing. And what type of frame materials are you usually using? So these days, I've actually offered titanium recently, the last few years, so I do steel, aluminum, and titanium and building any kind of custom bike, basically. Tandems, a road, mountain, cross, gravel bikes. You know, I have my commuter line, which I call them my Java boy, Java girl line. And then these are, the one I brought here to see bike is basically like a, like a specialty bike, custom bike thing, where it can do whatever people want, basically. On the gravel bikes, are they always 100% custom? And how do you, what's that process look like when you're working with the customers? Yeah, so all the bikes these days are all custom. So I work with an individual person one at a time. We do a full fitting if they're near our area or they send me their body measurements. And I kind of work from that and design a frame around what their needs are, you know, tire size, components. And then we come up with a bike CAD drawing. And, you know, when they find it, when they okay it, the customer okays it and it all looks to be what they want. And that's designed around their body measurements. And then that's how the build actually starts to happen at that point. Can you tell me about one of the signature features on the bike that I've seen on, I think, is it all your bikes that I see this on? Most, yeah. So the wish, well, basically it's a wishbone stay that I do and, and I use pennies to cap off the tubes. So that started back in the 90s, like early, mid 90s maybe. Uh, I, I think I was trying to get, I used to cap them with steel caps that I used to make. And then I realized the pennies fit over them and it cost a penny each. So it was a lot cheaper than having them fabricated somewhere or, or a machine shop to make those caps. So that's what started that. And, and so the gravel and cross bikes, if the customer wants a wishbone stay, I use dimes to cap off the tubes because they're 16 mil stays. And the mountain bikes use a 19 mil stay, which has a penny size uh, cap that go on there. So you, you know, if you order a mountain bike, it's a two cent rebate. And the gravel bikes get a, and the cross bikes get a 20 cent rebate. So you get some money back. I think I'm the only frame builder that offers money back when you buy a frame. You hear it here first. <laughs> if someone's looking to order a gravel bike, what, what kind of turnaround time do you have for a custom bike? So right now it's about four to five months. Yeah, a little longer for titanium. And then if it's a custom paint job, it also takes a little longer. But most of the bikes get a one color powder coat.
Perfect. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, thank you. So I'm Dave, and my brand is Sage Titanium Bicycles. So we're at the NV Builder Roundup. Why don't you tell the listener about what we've got in front of us? So the bike we have in front of us is our Storm King gravel bike. This is the do-it-all, quiver-killer, monster gravel race bike that you can also take adventure bike packing stuff on kind of thing. Like, it's just, it does it all. It was designed around 700 by 50 millimeter tires. It's a pretty aggressive geometry in general, but the reality is every bike is built custom one at a time for each individual customer. So we can actually customize the geometry to the individual. So if somebody really wants a Storm King to be more relaxed for more loaded touring, sure, no problem. But the general nature of the bike itself is more race oriented kind of thing. Um, and yeah, so that's the Storm King for where we're at. And let's let's talk about the frame material and what you guys typically work with. All of our bikes, you know, 100% USA made. The Storm King in particular, we make in our shop in-house in Portland. We only use titanium 325, you know, US source straight gauge across the board for the Storm King. No, no budding or anything like that. But of course, if a customer has a request, we're more than happy to accommodate. And, you know... The frame itself has a variety of finishes that we can offer as well. So generally we offer a brushed finish with maybe standard decals as an easy way to just get you out the door. But we do, from a custom finish standpoint, we can offer everything from uh, paint to Cerakote to anodize to bead blast to you know masked graphics like across the board. And so the show bike we have here is a, a combination of just about everything we do. So we've actually got Cerakote finish fading to a bead blast with raw graphics, raw titanium mixed in and anodized logos on top of it. So it's really, it's four different finishes on one frame, which is insane, but it came out great though. Yeah, it's very visually interesting. It's not over the top, but you can see when you get up close to it, the level of detail and the changing techniques that you've used to, to the finish the bike. Yeah, no, it's our our painter just outdid himself. You know, I the thing I love about the fade, for example, is that it actually is a true fade when you actually get close up on the bike. I've seen a lot of fades where it's a much harder edge, and this just it blends so naturally, kind of thing. It's just it's great. And then just being able to match in the cer, we actually cerakote all of the NV components, so we can cerakote carbon, which is a bit unusual. That it's not in order to cerakote carbon. In order to cerakote something, you actually have to cure it at I think it's 350 or 360 degrees, and carbon doesn't like being heated up. So our paint shop has figured out a way to to actually cerakote the carbon and cure it and it's all good to go. And we've been Cerakoting customer bikes for a while now, forks, bars, stems, everything, and everything's been great. So we, were, we went over the top with this one with just really just making the graphics pop on it. Well, you definitely got to show up with your A-game here at the Builder Roundup. Seriously, I mean, it's like the level of bikes around here, you can't come slacking off to this show. It is full game on. It's A-game or go home, so. Thanks for the overview, Dave. Yeah, thanks, appreciate it. All right, can you introduce yourself and, and, and the brand you're representing today? My name is Tony Brandotti, and I work with Number 22 Titanium Bicycles out of Johnstown, New York. And tell me about the bike you've brought to the Envy Builder Roundup. So this is our titanium all-road bike called the Great Divide Disc. What makes this particular one unique is the fact that we used Envy's integrated front end, so their fork, one-piece bar and stem, and headset that allows the brake lines to be run internally through the head tube and steer tube so that all the lines are hidden inside the handlebar as well. Yeah, that gives it a very kind of striking and unusual look when you eliminate all the cables from the front end of the bike. Really leading into that making it look different, we also adopted the use of Cerakote on this particular model. So this is actually called Stormtrooper White Cerakote. And we also did our, what we're really known for is our anodizing finish. And this is gold anno. Can you describe what serotonin that finish is? So Cerakote is a ceramic coating that goes over the tubing. In contrary, wet paint is a very similar process, but in its makeup, it is entirely different. This is durable. It's incredibly thin. It also allows us to do different things that wet paint doesn't do, like 
being able to put it in places that are a bit more flexible, because paint can't flex the same way a lot of Cerakote coatings can. I can't let you go without asking about these fenders on this bike. The titanium fenders are definitely unique. They really bring this bike to their full titanium. We even down to the package of making the small little brackets and bolts that attach it to the bike. Those are all titanium and those that we could anodize, we did. Now this model is a Road Plus model. Can you talk about the gravel models that you have in the number 22 lineup? So the gravel models that are a bit more, you know, big tire oriented, like 700 by 45s, we've got the Drifter and the Drifter X. Drifter X is a bit more race oriented, a little bit more aggressive geometry. It also has a tapered head tube and a titanium ISP. So it's very visually striking. For those that are looking for a little bit more of an adventure style gravel bike, the standard Drifter uses a traditional seat post, which a lot of people like because some end up using dropper posts, as well as a slightly more relaxed geometry. So it's more adventure based, your bike packing, things where people like to get a little bit more out in the woods. And for a customer looking to get a number 22 bike, how long do they need to wait? So at the moment we're at 22 weeks lead time and that's a moving target. We have been able to get all the parts that we need for complete bikes, but we still need to make the frames. Our sales have been increasingly outpacing what we can manufacture, but that's a good problem to have. Absolutely, and the manufacturing is in-house in New York? It's all done in Johnstown, New York. So basically halfway between Montreal and New York City. And is the customer buying from a stock selection of frame sizes or are you a custom shop? We do both. We have the standard sizes and stock options, but we also do custom options. And custom could be down to, you know, getting the fit details from a customer and the overall, even just the visual appearance could look better with a different size head tube, for example. Or if it's somebody who's a slightly larger rider, we can change certain tube sizes to make it stiffer or ride within what we expect of that frame that we designed originally. Awesome. Thanks for that overview, Tony. No worries. Anytime. All right. Can you tell me your name and, and the brand? Yeah, my name is Carl Strong and the brand is Pursuit Cycles. We're out of Bozeman, Montana. I'm known for titanium bikes, strong frames, but I've recently started a company called Pursuit and we do custom modular monocoque carbon fiber frames that we make entirely in-house in Bozeman, Montana. Nice. And, and this particular gravel bike that's in front of us, what are some of the attributes of it? Well, we call it an all-road because the max tire size is a 40 on a 700 wheel or a 50 on a 650. So it's a little more towards the road end of the spectrum versus uh, something that might go more to the adventure. And so it does, it, it's a perfect race bike for something like Unbound Gravel. I'm riding it here on mountain bike rides like crazy and it's performing flawlessly. So we're really excited about that. But some of the attributes are it's custom size. We can tweak the geometry. It's got, we do custom layups, custom paint, custom parts picks. The features that we're most excited about are we have the internal bearings on a tapered head tube. We've chosen to bond in a titanium threaded bottom bracket. It's a T47, so there's no squeaking or pressing issues that you get with a lot of carbon frames. For the same reason, we bonded in a mandrel wound seat tube so you have a perfect fit for your post. We use an external clamp so there's no fussing around or fiddling with the um, saddle or the post staying put. We do compression molded dropouts, which allows us to machine the brake for a perfect brake alignment, brake, machine the brake surface and then we bond in titanium axle guides so that there's no wear and tear on the on the dropouts when you put your wheel in and out. We've also sandwiched the derailleur hanger between the hub and the dropout so that it stiffens up the uh, rear derailleur hanger which gives you better performance with electronic shifting because that puts a lot of force on derailleur hangers. So what does the customer journey look like when they call you up to order a bike like this? Well, they start by placing a deposit, that puts them in the queue and it kicks off what we call our design process. And so the first thing we do with our customers is we figure out what method we want to use to determine their fit profile. Do you have one? Do you have a fitter you like to work with that can provide us with one? Or do you want us to do it? 
Once we figure out which one of those we're gonna do, we do it. We generate a fit profile, and from that, I'll draft them out a schematic of a bike with their fit profile so that we can discuss all of the little nuances of their fit, the way it integrates with the bike, their priorities and, and desires. Once we get the fit nailed and the geometry nailed, we talk about layup, which is gonna determine the way the bike feels. And then we move from there to the finish. That's a big thing. We have a lot of finish options. We have design services that they can choose to go with if they want something that's custom made by a professional graphic designer specifically for them. And then after that, we do the whole parts pick and then build it. Delivery time is usually when you can get parts, about three months from start to finish. If they're quick on their decision making, we try not to speed anybody up in the process. So we want them to work at a comfortable rate of speed, making their decisions, not feeling under pressure. And we want to make sure that they're confident that when they do finally sign the okay, they know exactly what they're going to get and it performs exactly as they expect. Perfect. Well, this is a gorgeous looking bike. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate it. Can I just get your name and your brand? Yeah, my name is Kevin McClellan. My brand is Pine Cycles. I hadn't heard of Pine Cycles before. Brand new, right? We are a new brand launching today at the Envy Builder Roundup. Yep. That's awesome. Tell me about the bike we just looked at. So this bike is our attempt to make the most versatile bike that we possibly can. Some of the unique design features of it is it has a custom dropout that has unique inserts that you can interchange depending on how you want to ride the bike. So the insert on the bike is 12 by 142 flat mount for disc brake use. And then we also have a standard QR dropout for if you wanna run the bike with rim brakes and then you can swap the fork or a track dropout if you wanna run single speed or fixed gear. Not only that, but the bike also fits three separate tire sizes. So it fits 700 by 35, 650 by 47, that's on the bike here and then 26 by 2.3. And those all work together really well because they're all roughly the exact same outer diameter. So the geo is not changed, it's not compromised when you change over those wheel sizes. Amazing, so all the way out to a 2.3, is that what you said? Yep. Incredible, yeah. I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten that just looking visually at the rear end of the bike. That's pretty impressive yeah. feat. Yeah, it's in, and I mean, because the tire you know, that is a little bit smaller size as the chainstay and seat stay tapers. It allows for more clearance with the same sort of chainstay length. And it's a pretty short chainstay. It's a 418 mil chainstay. So very much a sporty road geometry riding bike. And then on the front end of the bike, which NV fork are you rocking? So we are actually running an allied all road disc fork made in the USA. And the reason that we do that is it meets the exact geometry of the Whiskey Long Reach Rim Brake Fork. It's a 375 mil, so that those two forks can interchange with the frame for when you want to run it rim brake or disc brake. I don't think I asked you about the frame material you've chosen for this bike. So it's a steel frame. It's made out of a Columbus Zona tubing. The entire frame, every single, every single tube is Columbus Zona made in Italy. Nice. And what type of, you know, if you were advising the listener as terms of the ride quality of the bike that that type of tube set delivers, how would you describe it? Yeah, I mean, Zona is slightly on the lower end within Columbus's line. So a lot of the bikes that you'll see in the show are going to have uh, Life or Spirit, which are really nice, really lightweight tube sets. So ours is a little bit more budget, but still provides that really amazing steel ride quality. It just may be a slight bit heavier than some of these really nice steel bikes that are here. And you guys are based in Salt Lake City, Utah? Yep, exactly. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, Kevin, thanks for the overview. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks Thank for the time. Yeah. Congrats on that great looking bike. Appreciate it. Cool. Let's start off. Why don't you give me your name and, and the brand you're representing? Yeah, my name is Zach Spear. I'm at Mosaic. We're in Boulder. We make titanium bikes. We do maybe one steel road bike a year, but everything else is, yeah, straight titanium. We're on track to do maybe, may, we're crossing our fingers, hoping for 200, 250, maybe 275 frames this year. That's amazing, because every one of the ones I've seen come out of the Mosaic shop is super special and unique, at least aesthetically speaking. Yeah, it's, it's good. I, I think so, too. I'm setting up the fixture for each and every frame we do, and usually I'm talking with Mark, trying to get a picture of who we're doing this bike for, and he's always got a cool story of, you know, this person may have hurt their back, or this person's like a big crit racer, six-foot-six rower from Stanford. He needs big tubes. He's putting down big watts. 
So we're getting, you know, we're making frames for people. It's cool. Yeah. I, I love that feeling. Since you started on that thread, I, I always like to ask the question, like, what's that customer journey look like for someone who picks up the phone and gets in contact with Mosaic? Typically, we like we like when our bike shops are putting the frames out because they can, we're starting to get a big influx of orders and it helps when our bike shops can do some of that upfront work for us and figure out how the build's going to look, what cranks are we using, what tires does this guy want. Um, and then, yeah, Mark will whip up a Geo. He'll start talking paint with the customer. And then when it comes into my hands, we have a, a total idea of exactly how this bike's gonna look, what kind of paint we're gonna do, head badge, is it gonna be mirror finished, everything. Then I build it, Aaron welds it, we QC it, make sure it fits all the, everything's right, it's to spec, and then we send it over to paint, and that's when you're seeing the money maker paint jobs. What does that What does that look like from a time frame perspective? I know it varies all over the place, oh, but don't, right don't now, don't ask me that. I'm, I'm <laughs> not at liberty. No, we're slammed right now. I think for me personally, I'm doing. I average about one and a quarter frames per day. And I'll try to do big batches of prep work and then batches of frames and one and a quarter. So like I'll do two frames a day for a week and then I'll start prepping frames the next week. But that's about my timeline. Gotcha. And tell me about the beautiful bike you've brought to the Envy Builder Roundup. Yeah, we built it for the, this guy named Charlie in Chicago. He went through Velosmith. They put ETAP Envy on it and it's a GT145. He's got some oversized tubes on it. He wants to drive some watts into that frame. So he's got a um, 19 millimeter seat stays. He's got a 44 millimeter down tube, uh, 34.9 seat tube. It's going to be good and stiff for him. It fits a 45 millimeter tire, pretty slam geo. It's going to handle pretty snappy. It's like almost like a gravel crit bike, something you can really shred some dirt with. And uh, he wanted some green in there. He was talking with Mark and Mark was thinking, man, let's do a tri-fade for this. And we made it like a mango tri-fade. And then before it went to paint, Mark got the idea of, dude, let's throw some Baspo Sparkle in there. And when you see that thing in the sun, it's got, there's some purples and some greens in, in the orange part of the tri-fade. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, it does really pop as a show bike. It's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. And how cool is it that's an actual customer bike that's going to be delivered presumably weeks after this show? Dude, it's, uh, I think it's really cool. I mean, I've never been at Mosaic when we've purposely built a show where everything we're doing is customer bikes. And it's cool that our customer bike is a show bike and vice versa, you know? Yeah. We're getting to that level where every bike is dialed coming out of the shop. We'll take any of them to the MV Open House and be proud of what we're bringing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the weld quality is just always top That's notch Aaron, on the mosaic. Man. He's got way more than those 10,000 hours, you know? He's good. That yeah. guy can weld. He can slap a bead down. Cool. Well, I appreciate the overview. This is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Good to meet you. All right. Why don't we start off? Just give me your name and the brand name. Uh, yeah, I'm Matt Nelson, pretty much the builder at Salt Air Cycles. It's just me, a one-man show. And where are you located? Salt Lake City. And tell me about the types of bikes you like to build. It's pretty much gravel. I mean, when I started building, it wasn't necessarily called gravel. Off-road, mixed terrain bikes with drop bars. That's been my forte, and that's what people come to me for the most part. I mean, I do hardtails occasionally. Like, I, I love mountain biking. I have a couple hardtails myself, but... Yeah, it's, you know, sometimes it'll just be like a road bike that takes 32s, but it's mostly, you know, something to take up to a 40, sometimes more, yeah, with drop bars. And is it a completely custom operation? It is, yeah, I don't do any production bikes. And to be honest, my price point doesn't really yet reflect full custom, but they're all, you know, they're one-offs, you know. So my price point basically will include custom geometry, custom sizing just because of the way I operate. And how long have you been building bikes for? I built my first bike in 2011. I went to uh, UBI, the United Bicycle Institute in Portland. And at the time I was uh, an architect and I just had the bug and built my first bike, really loved it, came back home to Salt Lake and just wanted to do more. So I was building for friends and just getting more experience. And then in 2014, I think I registered as a business with the Salt Lake, but I still had a full-time job as an architect. And then it just grew from there. And then as of January, 2016, I'm, I, it's my full-time job. And tell us about the frame materials you like to use. Prim primarily steel. I, occasionally I'll do some stainless, like full stainless frames, but it's a lot of Columbus, sometimes Reynolds. But yeah, I ventured, I've done, I did do one stainless 
frame with carbon seat mass, which I actually collaborated with Envy on. But yeah, steel's my thing. And, and I'm actually a brazer, so I don't weld. I'm not a TIG welder. So I do fillet braze bikes, lug bikes for people that like the classic look. And then sometimes mix and match, like I'll do a Bilam bike. And tell me about the ride quality. If someone calls and asks about, you know, what's the output? What do you, what's the feeling the rider's going to get on one of your bikes? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people think of steel or what's been circulated out there is like steel is real and, you know, it has a great ride quality, especially for off-road. And that's true. I mean, you can build a, a steel bike that's, what's the right word? I mean, it's more forgiving. It's going to flex in all the right parts, but you can also build a very a stiff frame you know say someone wants to do crit racing or whatever and they just want a stiff frame you know that they can race on for 45 minutes it's just there's i mean the tube technology that columbus and the other brands reynolds have continued to push even when after aluminum and then carbon became the the top performing materials they've continued to make their tubes stiffer stronger and thinner wall so they can be lighter but yeah so to answer your question i i mean i i my personally like for mixed train riding is a bike that's like an what they call oversized tube standard so in these days it, you look at the bike and it looks like a skinny tube bike but it's it's actually pretty stiff depending on the size but it can you can do you know it feels great it doesn't beat you up on a long 90 mile 8500 feet climb mixed terrain ride and then again for a bigger rider that might be flexing a frame that you know someone who weighs 150 pounds you you can upsize those tubes and you can tune the ride you can tune the quality of the ride basically is that sort of part of the customer journey with you if i call you up looking for a bike do we work through what i'm looking for what my body weight and size is yeah exactly yeah i mean i want those are the things i want to hear from you like how do you plan on using the bike? What kind of riding do you like to do? Aesthetics comes in too. I mean, I do get customers who are like, you know, I love steel, but I don't want to, I don't want one of those skinny tube, you know, old school looking bikes. And, you know, like Columbus came out with their Cento tube set, which is like their hundred year anniversary, I think in 2019. And that's probably the stiffest, that tube set alone is probably the stiffest steel tube set I've ever seen. It just has a massive 44 millimeter down tube and you know tapered seat tube um oversized integrated head tube and the, and then the, the chain stays are actually much taller i think they're like 36 compared to the standard 30 oval design so it makes a super stiff bike still relatively light as well depending on you know what size it is can you tell me about the bike that you've brought to the envy builder roundup yeah so that bike is, I mean, I'm, I'm calling it the Grodio Especial. It's set up to do these, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 mile gravel grinders, mixed terrain. I mean, it's a lot like a cyclocross bike, but threw some water bottle bosses on it. A little bit more clearance for a bigger tire. So the one I brought to is, you know, can fit up to a 40, 700C by 40. Again, this one's a fillet brace bike. I actually had it, most of my frames I send to Colorado to get painted, but I went, did a liquid job locally, and it turned out really well. I, this bike is actually for a local rider who, will, he's going to ride tomorrow, and it's going to be his first time riding. But I think he'll be he'll be stoked on it. And he's he's a mountain goat. He he'll I think he's going to really excel on this bike and on this course tomorrow. Nice. Thanks for the overview. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Let's start out by getting your name and the company you work for. Yeah, I'm Cody Stevenson from Holland Cycles out of San Diego, California. And tell us a little bit about Holland. So Holland has been in business now for 47 years building frames. It's Bill Holland. And I came on into the fold with Bill about 10 years ago. And when he started out, was he starting in a steel bike? Yeah, exactly. He did steel frames and, uh, and then... He went through into the titanium realm back with Eisentrout many moons ago. And uh, and then we also offer, in the last 10 years here, we've offered a, a carbon option as well. Interesting. Tell me about the show bike you brought to Envy. <clears throat> yeah, the show bike that uh, that we we brought is it's our HGTI so it is uh, it's one of our gravel models this one is a two by system with clearance for 50 mil tires it's got a real sweet set of AR 3.4s on it it's my personal bike so I get to rip it up tomorrow in the Grodio and you know just a lot of the the features that you want to touch on with with a gravel bike you want it to be able to perform 
obviously you want it to be comfortable and you want it to be stable. That's pretty big tire clearance. How are you able to achieve that? Lots of bending. <laughs> yeah, just bending stays and placement of, of the stays at the bottom bracket, just really honing in on how can we get the best of both worlds in regard to clearance for the tire and also have enough clearance for your chain rings. What does the journey look like for a customer who wants to get a Holland titanium frame? First thing that a customer needs to do is pick up the phone and give me a call and we set up a fitting appointment. We're really big on doing the fittings in-house. We have people flying all over the country to come and do the fitting because we feel that the fitting obviously is the first piece of it, but we also like to figure out what the individual wants from a ride quality and a handling perspective because there's so many options that we can do with the frames. Uh, and then obviously anything with custom, it's hurry up and wait. You get put into the build list. We do complete bikes or frame sets and obviously Lead times were much easier to decipher 18 months ago and right now we are in a nice position of being able to still get bikes out the door but obviously with the influx of ordering we're 9 to 12 months out on delivery at this point. Gotcha. Was there a point in time going back a few years since you've been there 10 years that you started to see this influx of hey I want a bigger tire, hey I'm riding this off-road? Absolutely. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm a roadie per se, but I grew up racing BMX. So I loved taking my bike off road, even though it was a road bike with caliper brakes. And definitely we, we got more and more of the sort of the murmurings of, you know, can we put a 28 on this? Can we, you know, which obviously was this, you know, some astounding width tire and, you know, can we run 90 PSI? And, you know, so from there it obviously evolved into, you know, let's get rid of calipers and we're, we're all in on you know whatever whatever clearance we can get for options. I mean, if you can get as much clearance, you can always put a 32 or a 35 tire on it too. If you had to hazard a guess, what percentage of the bikes are tending towards gravel? Basically for us, it's almost split directly down the middle. So we offer our gravel bikes with titanium and then we have a carbon road frame as well as an option. And we actually still do that in a rim brake option. So rim and disc in on the carbon road side of things. But uh, yeah, I mean, if we get a call for a titanium frame, it's a gravel frame. And are you on the carbon side, forgive me if I miss this, but is it exclusively on the road side or do you make carbon gravel bikes as well? We do not make a carbon gravel bike. We feel that titanium is a better material just from an impact perspective. We do, our road bike has clearance for 35 mil tires, but it is not a gravel bike per se. Right. That makes sense. Since I'm curious and you mentioned it earlier about that internal process you have, making carbon fiber frames out of San Diego. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk at a sort of high level for the listeners so they understand? I mean, it blows my mind that the carbon fiber is coming in these sheets yeah. and you're going from there. Sure, so yeah, obviously with the carbon fiber road frames, we use a lugged system to customize it. So we have obviously individual tubes that are laid up just like any tube. And, uh, and then we have lugs, which are as part of the matrix are designed to accept certain angles and wall thicknesses. So there's 86 different molds to make all of the custom frames and all of the custom sizing. And is the, are the lugs made out of a different material? No, they're carbon fiber as well. Okay. And so yeah, it's a completely carbon bike. And the nice piece about it is that the ride quality that we get out of the lug design is that you get uh, a vibration damping quality when you have a material, two dissimilar materials put together and the epoxy that's bonding the, the carbon together at the lug dissipates vibration. You get a really nice subtle ride out of it and you can make the frame really nice and torsionally rigid. As you're manufacturing the tubes, are you going back to that customer discussion and knowing you know, this is a 180 pound person and they're looking for this ride quality and making modifications Abs to the weave? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we have zero stock of anything carbon fiber except for the carbon fiber sheets themselves. Everything is laid up for the individual. We use different modulus for the individual. We do obviously different bias. I mean the whole nine yards, everything is for the individual, not just from a sizing perspective, but ride quality and handling. I think that's super cool. I mean a lot of times when you think of buying that custom bike historically, it was going to be a metal bike and you thought about the person welding it, etc. But it is mind-blowing to imagine that you can weave the carbon fiber tube based on my the personality I want the bike to achieve. Absolutely, it is. And the, the big reason 
behind being able to do that is that we have Mike Lopez on board with us, who was Reynolds Composites back in the day. The Reynolds Uzo Pro fork came out of the same shop that our carbon is coming out of. He built all the Mavici with Serata. All of the carbon that was on Serata Otros, it came from Mike Lopez, and he is the brains behind all of that, and we're really fortunate to be a team working together. Amazing. Thanks for the overview. I appreciated it. You're very welcome. Thank you. Okay. Why don't we start off? Can you tell me your name and the company you work for? Yeah, I'm Drew Medlock, CEO at Allied Cycle Works. Drew, tell me about that beautiful Allied Echo that I just saw. <laughs> cool. Yeah, actually, it's my bike, believe it or not. It's my personal bike that has now turned into a show bike. <laughs> That's a good feeling. It is a good, it is a good feeling to get to show it off all the time, but I haven't got to ride it. So. It had to stay clean for this event, I imagine. Always clean, yeah. <laughs> Will it get dirty tomorrow at Garodio? Maybe. I think Garodio tomorrow sounds more like an able ride, if I'm reading that one correctly. So I think it will be bigger tires than, than the Echo. <laughs> Let's talk about the Echo, as you and I were talking about offline. It's a really unique beast in the gravel market because it bridges that fine line between super capable road bike and super capable off-road bike. Yeah, absolutely. When we designed it, we were actually trying to start ground up with an amazing road bike that also could do gravel. And we really oriented the geometry and the performance really on Grand Tour level road bike. So we were thinking like, the spike should compete you know, against a tarmac at a Grand Tour, but then also be able to run up to 40 millimeter tires. And that's from the aesthetics and also the performance, that's really what we were going for. So let's talk about that unique flip chip technology that kind of enables this to happen. Yeah, so the bike uses a flip chip, which, you know, from mountain bikers out there know that's like nothing new, right? That's been done a lot. But what it allows us to do on this bike specifically is lengthen the chainstay by one centimeter. So you go from like a Grand Tour road geometry, super short chain stays to a centimeter longer and run 10 millimeters more tire volume. And then on the front, raises the axle to crown by one centimeter as well, increases the tire volume. And does that change the head tube angle? It will. So it slackens out the geometry of the bike just a little bit. So you actually do get a true different geometry for road and gravel mode. I think for me personally, I've ridden a lot of bikes that are like a gravel bike that you can also put road wheels on. And for me, that somebody that's designed to work with bikes, I, I always feel like the road bike, you know, if I'm riding a gravel bike with small tires on it, it really doesn't handle the way a true road, you know, race bike does. And so we wanted something that really could do both. So on that flip ship on the fork, it's a, a vertical movement, correct? Yep. And then on the stay, it's a horizontal correct. movement. Yeah. So it just links into the chain stay or raises the axle to crown on the fork. And then... Tell me about the adjustment that you need to make on the brake caliper to achieve that movement and how you've executed that. Yeah, so basically the brake caliper, the, the chip actually is on a, it's mounted to the fork. So the caliper is actually mounted to the piece that moves. So the caliper on the front doesn't actually have to be readjusted at all, given that if you're using a wheel set with the same hub, right, when you're swapping wheels. Same for the rear. The rear, you do have to take one caliper bolt out to move it, but the caliper still stays in the same position. So if you're using the same set of hubs, the same brand of rotors, you probably will not have to change or readjust your brakes after you're swapping wheels. When you're in gravel mode, what type of tire clearance do you have? So we have 40 millimeter actual and uh, tire clearance is a pet peeve of mine because everybody like what your tire says on a hot stamp on the side has nothing to do with actually what size it is. <laughs> So for all you all riders out there, it's a good thing to know. I've seen 40 millimeter tires that measure 38, 40 millimeter tires that measure 44. So we are you know, measuring actually 40 millimeters of tire and that's including four millimeters of additional clearance at the, the rear of the bike as well. So, right. you know, a Colin actually ran bigger than a 40 at Unbound Gravel that a lot of people notice he's running a 42 Specialized Pathfinder. So it does fit because we actually do have clearance, but he was in the uh, our safety zone for clearance that we like to keep for everyday users. So with mud and, you know, uh, junk pulling through your frame, just to make sure you protect the frame. Yeah, that's what Colin mentioned to me. He said, he's like, on a dry day, <laughs> I stuck a 42 in there. I didn't have a concern, yeah. but I wouldn't be doing that in a, on a muddy course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was super exciting to see him ride that bike on Unbound 200 one weekend and then Tulsa Tough Criterium on the road. Yeah, that, that was nuts and completely unexpected. And, you know, it was even going to Unbound, he was really like, we were testing, you know, different bikes. He was going to ride the Able or the, the Echo. And in the end, he'd been putting most of the miles on the Echo and he felt the most comfortable on it. 
and it's a lower front end, so he's got a lower profile on the bike, so he's probably a little faster on the bike as well. So that was the call to go with the Echo. And then, you know, for Tulsa Tough, like, man, it, like we said, we designed that thing as a road racing machine, you know, with the road setting for the geometry, no problem. And he was in the breakaway on Crybaby Cry Hill, so <laughs> worked out pretty good. I've come to expect interesting and new things from Allied at Unbound every year, so the pressure just keep, <laughs> keeps getting amped up. Well, we did have a skip year, so that gave us a little bit of breathing room. So. That's true. That's true. So we might be on an every two-year cycle. Yeah, we'll see. I think we've got some new stuff come up our sleeve, so we'll see what the timing looks like. <laughs> awesome. And it's worth noting, your manufacturing in America, you, it's all under one roof now, is that right? Yeah, everything's uh, under one roof. Our full manufacturing team is located in Northwest Arkansas, and we build everything from the ground up there. The Echo is a real special bike for us, not just because of performance, but also that bike was developed all by the new team after we moved to our new factory in uh, Rogers, Arkansas. And so it's a huge achievement for our team and this to be able to put all our, not just performance and sports stuff out there, but also all our, you know, maturity and our, our manufacturing techniques together for this bike. And so we're really excited about it and we're building, you know, almost every single part of that bike in-house, including all the alloy flip chips and dropouts and the stem. So it's super exciting for nice. us. Nice. What does a customer journey look like to get their hands on one of these bikes? Yeah. So uh, if you'll visit us at Allied Cycle Works, you can actually jump on and we have several different build options and you can check it out and uh, actually configure, you know, what wheels you want, paint you want, all that stuff online. And then you can hit us up directly or uh, if you have a good local dealer, you can hit them up too. And what does turnaround time look like these days? Yeah, right now for Echoes, we're running between eight to 10 weeks delivery. Of course, that major caveat there is on lead times for parts. Some things we are better on than others right now. Um, so that's always you know the, the tricky question that's... because we're good at making Echoes within eight to 10 weeks, but Shimano and SRAM are not very good at delivering within yeah. eight to 10 weeks right now. Yeah, so. you can throw extra labor at building something fast, stay up late, really hit that customer delivery date, but we can't control global yes. supply chains. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately we can't. <laughs> yeah, well, congrats on the execution of the Echo. I think it's a great bike and Thanks I'm so. super excited to see where it goes. I appreciate it. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Gravel Ride podcast. I hope you enjoyed those mini builder interviews and got a little bit of a sense for their process and what it's like purchasing a custom bike. There are a ton of great options out there. All the builders represented in the Envy Partner Network are creating exceptional products, some of them one of a kind. Take a look at some of the websites. Take a look at some of the videos out there online. You won't be disappointed at what you see from the Envy Builder Roundup. Huge thanks to Envy for their support of the podcast and a huge thank you for them putting together this event. I know I look forward to seeing it every year and to be out there in person this year followed by that massive Grodio ride was a real pleasure. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. 